Welcome to the Can't Stop Endurance podcast. I am Coach Kevin Leathers, and today we're going to talk about the idea of long-term goal setting and long-term commitment. I like to think of it as a long-term slow burn fitness. It's it's that commitment that is always at work. I think we're always looking for shortcuts and hacks and new training plans and we get bored and we get distracted by other things. We want to go try this and go try that. Okay, let's put all that inside this long-term vision. It's a it's a commitment that that ebbs and flows. We're not always at 100% and super dialed in, but we're always moving forward. It's always at work. Let's talk about this. So this is that process. You can't rush it. There's no shortcuts. There are no hacks. There are no secret potions or magic shoes. It takes patience and consistency. I know, blah, 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 blah. We hear about it. I say it almost on a daily basis to my runners in one form or another, that you have to be patient with the process. And above all else, you have to be consistent. Now, consistent doesn't mean 100% every day. It's far from it. It means doing the best you can on a regular basis. Some days that you give yourself an A, most days you give yourself a B minus or a C plus, and some days are a D minus or an F. That's okay, as long as we're moving forward and we're staying somewhat consistent. So let's look at something like, uh, let's look at the marathon through this long-term slow burn lens. I think that to really focus on your best marathon, let's call it a fast marathon, you kind of have to forget about racing a fast marathon for a little bit, right? So Let me say that again. To run a fast marathon, you need to put that out of your head and forget about it for a little bit. But hang on, wait, coach, that that makes no sense. How can I set a goal and forget about it? It's exactly what I want you to do. You put that, let's put that marathon out there on the horizon, and then we're gonna we're gonna draw the curtains across that so we can't see it. And we're gonna look at what's happening between now and then. So historically, runners would would focus on maybe one marathon per year sometimes two depending upon the runner and what they were trying to achieve mainly because it took up so much training time and mental and physical energy to get ready i think we lose sight of how difficult this really is and how hard it is on your body and on your on your mentality that you do need to come off of that marathon focus sometimes and if we're doing this properly it really could take up to a year or several years to work through a complete training cycle to get you where you want to be for that fast marathon back in the old days marathons were primarily run between october and April so fall and winter and then they were done because nothing good comes from a hot weather or a humid marathon so we didn't bother to why would you race a marathon in June in the south because it's going to be terrible and your time's going to suck and I don't want to do that well back before the internet 
we, <laughs> we didn't know what wacky things runners were doing out there or eating or, or wearing or uh, how many races they were doing or, or all of those things. And FOMO wasn't really a thing, nothing like it is today where we're, you know, so many of us are driven by nothing but FOMO. And that causes so many bad racing and training decisions. And the, the whole marathon maniacs group and movement was not a thing. It was quality racing over quantity racing, especially in the marathon. Now, hang on, don't misunderstand me. Don't get your feelings hurt. There's nothing wrong with that quantity focus. But those runners who chase uh, marathon maniac points to get some fictional rating, or they like to race marathons to earn a medal, or, or to, to travel, that's fantastic. That's a worthy endeavor. But those runners typically don't have time to get properly prepared for peak performance. Now, I know there are outliers in every situation we could ever discuss. Those people who are champion marathoners and run 15 marathons a year, great. But that's not the rest of us. That's typically a one-off type of human the rest of us don't have time to do that and we can't get prepared for peak performance because we're always building up long runs and racing and then having to recover and nurse ourselves back to health because we have another marathon coming up around the corner and it's just a carousel. Okay, again, nothing wrong with that if that's what you want to do. But when the time comes that you say, okay, I want to run my best marathon, great then let's take this long-term slow burn approach. What does that mean? Well, let's break it down. This means we should we should back up, zoom out like your coach. I, we're zooming out from the 30,000 foot level and seeing the big picture. We need to focus on the smaller goals that get you from here to that, that drawn curtain at the end of the road that you can't see the marathon. It's there, but we're not going to worry about that yet. We're going to focus on everything between here and there. So here's what I know about peak performance at a marathon. You cannot marathon your way to marathon success. It's just not the way you do it. You talk to... Uh, the, the old school marathoners and the people who really know, and you look at some of the old champion marathoners, they were track runners. They were 5,000 meter and 10,000 meter specialists. They were fast. I'm, we're talking at the Olympic and world level. They trained to be really fast on the track or on the road at 5K and 10,000 meters and then maybe the half marathon. And then they sneak up on the marathon by throwing in those long runs and they go race. They don't race, they don't marathon their way to marathon success. It's not how the process works. That's not how our bodies work. You can collect all the medals, but you'll never really find out what you can do. Another thing that I know about peak performance at a marathon, too many marathons and half marathons in a year get in the way of the work and the recovery that needs to be done to get 
faster. That's the real problem is you got all these races, they're in the way, right? You, you, I need to go through a, a couple of months of let's just be a 5k runner. Let's get your 5k as fast as we can given what we have today. And then let's, let's throw in a 10k and let's, let's target a half marathon. And if you've got three marathons in there, we can't do any of that. I also know that to achieve your peak race, you need to develop the entire physiological engine. Doing a marathon a month will really, if you can stay healthy, really develops your aerobic engine. You could run all day if you run easy enough. Great. But if you want to go fast, you've got to get all of your energy systems developed. That's so aerobic fitness, yes. Long, easy runs, the ability to cover the distance, the endurance, the mindset to be able to uh, go that far and then develop all the necessary energy management systems and fueling. But you also have to come back to the other end of the spectrum and we have to spend some time working on your, your VO2 max fitness. How fast can you run a mile? How fast can you run two miles? How fast can we get your 5K? Okay, because... If you think about it, if it's a chart, that pulls your your VO2 max, your 5K, your 10K, move down the pace chart, and it frees up room to become a faster 8-mile racer, which frees up room for you to become a faster half-marathoner, which you see where we're going. So everything has to be developed. And then in the middle of that is the your anaerobic fitness, your, your ability to... Uh, to, to raise your lactate threshold, to be able to clear that lactate from your muscles at race pace, uh, to improve your ability to hold speed over distance and focus in that and get, get comfortable in that discomfort. So again, forget about the marathon attempt for a little bit and let's focus on this path to get there. For instance, let's take, let's take uh, for ease of math, let's talk about a runner who wants to run four hours for a marathon for them that again plug in whatever time you want we need to get your 5k and your 10k and your half marathon where it needs to be consistently over the course of three or six or 12 or 18 months that point to a four-hour marathon and then you're ready to go train for that marathon. So let's take that four hour marathon goal. That's out there. We're going to forget about it. Now, I've got that in my pocket runner as your coach. Don't forget about it. Now I need you to work on this training plan. That's going to try to, we need to get your 5k down to 2430 or better consistently, not just one time, but consistently that hopefully allows us to then train you up for the 10K to get you down to a 51-minute 10K, which then allows us to start working towards a probably around a 154 half marathon. Great. We do that. We get all that down. Now, the engine we have developed with a proper marathon training build should be able to run a four-hour marathon. That's how it works. It's science. It's biology. That's, that's it. There's no other shortcut. Then and only then we go and take an attempt at that goal marathon. 
but but coach, what about the I I I'm in the London lottery. I'm in this this lottery. I I got into Chicago and it. Okay, great. I've done all those things. I get it. That's great. But you have to choose. What's your goal? Do you want to do uh, all the majors? Do you want to do this big city marathon? Do you want to go do that 50K? Do you want to do all these things and earn marathon maniac points? That's great. But you said you wanted to break four hours in the marathon or you said you wanted to do X, Y, Z in the marathon. You have to choose one of the paths to follow. And you can do both. You could do, I want to do all these races for the next two years, and then I'm going to really focus. I'm going to give you that next 12 months to get me ready to go run X, Y, Z in the marathon. Great. That will work. So, and that, there's all kinds of uh, calculators, race predictors online. You can go in and plug in your goal marathon time, and it will spit out your target times for all those shorter distances that you really need to embrace that process. Happy to talk to you about that anytime. What else should you focus on for this uh, long-term, slow-burn focus? Well, we would probably want to spend a lot of time on pace management. Pace management. What pace are you running right now? Let's say you're jogging along listening to this podcast. What do you, what, what's your pace? Based, without looking at your watch, based on your cadence and your breathing and your perceived RP, your rate of perceived exertion, what do you think your pace is? Can you get close? Can you get within 10 seconds? Can you get within 30 seconds? You, you need to know. You need to learn the difference between the various levels of perceived exertion and really define what is easy, what is medium, what is hard, and what is very hard. And learn the subtle differences in your tempo pace and what's the rate of perceived exertion at your tempo pace. And learn the difference between your two-mile time trial pace and your 5K pace, and then the difference between your 5K pace and your five-mile pace, and your 10K pace versus an eight-mile race, and then all the way up so that you can control your pace and understand what's happening. You have to know the difference. You have to know the difference so that during a workout or during a race, you can you can listen to your breathing. You can listen to your respiration and your foot strike and think, oh, wow, okay, this pace feels a little too fast. Let me, yep, looked at my watch or I, I checked the next mile marker. Yep, that's a little too fast. Let me back off. Or, oh, boy, that, that this feels a little sluggish. Let me, yeah, I'm a little slow. I need to speed up a little bit. And then you get to the point where you're in the race and you're, you know your pace and your perceived exertion and your pace management. And you can tell yourself, okay. This is getting difficult, but I can hold this pace for another 20 minutes. I can hold this pace for another 10 minutes. I can, I can endure this discomfort for another mile. I can push just a little bit more. So focus on pace management and then focus on nutrition. You've heard it. You've seen it. it you cannot outrun a poor diet. You can't out-exercise a poor diet. You know, you, you, you also cannot run your way to a six-pack or whatever body composition goal you seek, that percentage of muscle versus percentage of body fat, uh, wanting your clothes to fit better, wanting to lose a little uh, 
lose some inches in your waistline, you can, it, it's really difficult to run your way to that. We chase it for years. We chase it for decades even. But once you realize those issues are solved in the kitchen, it's liberating and you start to control it. Those issues are solved on your plate and in your menu selections and in the quality of your menu selections and in your portion size choices. That's where those uh, improvements are made and that's where you clean up your nutrition. Long-term focus also makes all of these little small changes super valuable, like the, the power of compounding interest. If you work on uh, 10 push-ups a day, now in a week, eh, you can do 10 push-ups a little easier, but in a year, you're doing 100 push-ups a day, and it you can tell, you can feel it, you can see it, you're stronger. Whatever that is, foam rolling, cutting out your nutritional... Uh, trap door, uh, stretching, yoga, strength training, whatever that is, small changes add up over time. So this long-term slow burn focus makes all of those daily habits super valuable in the long term. You know, it's really difficult to stay sharp and on top of everything all the time, whether it is Again, whether that's stretching or mobility or strength training or hydration, it's really hard to stay dialed in all the time. It's just difficult for humans. So do your best each day. And some days, again, you make an A. Some days you make a D minus. But you're always trying to get a little bit better. And then consider this. So you do pretty good most of the time. And then we sharpen up as racing season approaches. And that's a different definition for everybody. Some people can really sharpen things gradually for six months. Some people can do it for six weeks. Some people can do it for six days. Whatever works, it will help. So let's say, what is your thing? What is that? Is it it a good uh, bottle of beer? Is it cookies? Is it chips? Is it fast food? Whatever it is, doesn't matter. No judgment. We all have our things that we like. Going cold turkey is tough, but what if we clean it up gradually over time, right? So let's say uh, whatever it is, pick your thing. As your big, important race goals approach, you clean things up again a little bit. You eliminate one more serving of your thing, or you eliminate those nutrition bombs over the last few weeks. Be at your best nutritionally in those last two weeks, right? So I'm not telling you to give up fill in the blank for the year. I'm saying let's do it in, let, let it ebb and flow. Just like we said at the beginning, let it ebb and flow. And as you get closer to these key races, you back off, you clean it up, you back it off, you clean it up. And then maybe, maybe you even eliminate that thing for a week or two before the race. And now you've really worked on your nutrition and you get to the race day and it's just another level of confidence for you on race day. And then post-race, relax a little bit. Go back, add one more of those things per week or a couple and enjoy it. And then you sharpen it up again because it's really difficult to be 100% dialed in on nutrition all the time. Then another factor is mobility 
and injury prevention. For the 1,000th time, almost all of our running injuries are self-inflicted, right? We, we do it to ourselves but by ignoring common sense. We all, you know, some runners revel in an injury. Gives them something to talk about. Gives them something to post about on social media. They revel in their walking boots and their crutches and their physical therapy and this and that. Most of us learn these lessons the hard way. I know I have. I, I've had just about every running injury you can have and then some. Hopefully I've learned. And as I've gotten older, I see the, uh, the price to be paid for those running injuries is just accelerated because it takes so much longer to recover from everything. So I want to avoid as much of it as I can because I don't want to waste time recovering from injuries. And I mean that something that would flare up and take me a week to clear up 10 or 15 years ago now might take me a month to clear up. So what, just what if you did regular preventive maintenance on your weak links? If you know that your IT band is wonky, okay, that's tight and weak hips. So strength train, cross train, stretch, do the things that you would do if you were hurt in physical therapy on a preventive level. Doesn't have to be a part-time job. It can be five minutes a day or 10 minutes every other day or two minutes before and after every run. Wouldn't you do it if you knew you weren't going to get hurt again? So listen to your body because it will send you clear signals of a looming injury. Don't ignore it. We're, 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 I'm for my own running and for your running, for the athletes I coach, I'm trying to find your training sweet spot. And what does that mean? Well, I know what you could do today, but what should you do today? That's really the choice to be made. You could go run eight miles today, but you've got a key long runner race in two days. Maybe you should just go run an easy four miles today. Be recovered, give your body a chance to really perform in 48 hours, right? And you could run 60 miles a week, but you'd be broken down or you'd be on the verge of broken down. So why don't we, why don't we back off and let's find that area where you perform to your own acceptable levels without getting hurt. So uh, let's say you, you try to push up to 40 miles per week, but you just keep getting that IT band or that plantar fasciitis or whatever it is. Okay, let's, let's look at your training. Let's change something. Quit doing the same thing. Let's, let's work out 30 miles a week and maybe add some cross training or really dial in the quality of a certain percentage of that 30 miles and find that sweet spot. It's, it's five or 10 or 11 and a half percent less than you could do, but this is where you should be in your training sweet spot. Make sense? And then I think you should try to race as frequently as your schedule and your budget and your discipline and your motivation will allow. Taking a break from the physical and the mental racing stress is good, especially 
you know, if there's a big race series or a series of runs and you're trying to get better and better to get you to your goal race, great. But that takes a lot physically and mentally. So what if we, during the off season, let's say it's from now till you know, it's the next three months, to maintain your inner pace clock and to not lose all of your memory of the pain cave, let's go race every four to six weeks just to stay familiar with the game and the sport. And if we if we keep racing, we don't have to totally relearn the get comfortable being uncomfortable part that's required. You know, we I don't want you to expect linear improvement in your race times over the year. Don't expect PRs during this period, but sometimes it's just about getting out, pinning on a number and revving the engine a little bit and getting out of breath, pushing yourself, you know, in that last mile, getting through the discomfort and finishing, high five, and you and you've gone out and you've tested yourself a little bit. I think that makes a lot of sense. So long-term slow burn commitment is that one that's always at work. Sometimes it's working really hard. A lot of times it's just on cruise control. And sometimes it's kind of just doing what what we feel like that day. But it's always moving towards that long-term goal on the horizon. So if you have questions or feedback about any of these ideas, please email me at coach at can'tstopendurance.com. I invite you to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Can't Stop Endurance. I am Coach Kevin Leathers, and remember, run smart, train hard, race back.